Hola Conchitas, welcome back to the Self-Conscious Podcast. Grab your café, tea, or chocolate de abuelita, and don't forget your conchas because we have a whole new episode for you this week. I'm your host, Stephanie Cortez. And I'm your other host, Evelyn Salazar. And this is episode 14 of season two. This week, we have a very special guest and our last podcast collab of season two, Carlos Bernal, the host of the Unapologetic Defiance podcast. With school being back in session, we thought this episode would be fitting because in this episode, we had Carlos talk to us about the importance of pursuing higher education, especially being BIPOC in higher ed. We also talked about the stress and anxiety of being a college student, even more so. We also talked about the stress and anxiety of being a college student, and even more so a student of color and the constant dread of imposter syndrome. But not to worry, Conchitas, you will for sure learn something from this episode to help you and let you know that you're not alone. If you or someone you know is dealing with stress or anxiety, please refer to these resources. The National Alliance on Mental Illness, 1-800-950-6264. Anxiety and Depression Association of America, 240-485-1001. National Institute of Mental Health, 866-615-6464. American Psychological Association, 1-800-374-2721 or the American Psychiatric Association 1-800-357-7924 On this week's episode we have Carlos Bernal is a is that how you say your last name? Bernal? Bernal? You could say you could say it like the Spanish like Bernal if you want Because so I don't want to be white you know, yeah, no, you guys, no don't say, don't say Bernal. I hear that. Call me, <laughs> just call me that. Bernal. Bernal. No. Okay. You can, you can say Bernal, yeah. Okay. Okay. He's a university student majoring in childhood special education at New York University. That's right. NYU. He's a smarty pants. And he's also the host of the Unapologetic Defiance podcast. And bonus, he's a Latino whose roots lie in El Salvador. So, it's Latino gang up in here today. Guys, you're all supposed to get hyped. It's Latino gang. Woo, yeah. Woo, yeah. <laughs> what, what, is, what is it? Latino gang? What does J Balvin say? Latino gang. Latino gang. We got a yeah. Salvi. We got a Chapina. And we got a Mexicana. Hey, drop that mix. Lots of good food. <laughs> Lots of wonderful food. <laughs> so before we get to like the nitty gritty of the podcast, we have a fun question for you. What song has been stuck in your head as of lately? Yeah, so recently I've been into R&B and more of like soul music. I'm more of a laid back type of guy, so I don't really like the mainstream hip hop. So I like Umi um, and her song Remember Me. It's like really, really mm. chill. And her, her music is kind of, if you ever listen to like Kehlani, it's kind of like that, but she's more of a vocalist. It's really okay. nice and soothing. It's really relaxing. I'll have to check it out. What about you, Evelyn? It's called Grape Swisher by Goody Grace. He just released a new album, and I am obsessed with the song in the video. So that's my song. I've been really, I don't know, reflecting on like the 90s <laughs> and like the early 2000s. So I've been listening to hella throwbacks. Right now, the song it's stuck in my head is like, the What About Me Mi Chica? But I can't remember who it's by. Let me look it up really quick. It's by Hombres G. Check it out. So you say you're listening to relaxing music and all that. So does that have to do with how are you feeling? Are you doing okay? Doesn't sound like you are. You wouldn't believe this, but I'm actually very stressed. And I think the music is my outlook outlet to just be more relaxed. School started. Um, like you said, I have my podcast. So all these recordings and editings on top of that. And I just started a new internship. So 
I definitely look at music as an outlet to just be a place where I can really relax and step away from all that work. That's cool. You got an internship. Where at? Actually, at my alma mater, at my at my high school, I'm working as a communications liaison. So I do flyers for them. Any content that need they need for like athletics, um, photography, things of that nature. That's super cool. Congrats on that. Thank you. Thank you. And it goes like hand in hand with what you want to do with your career. Correct. Yeah. Even though I don't want to really go into like marketing or anything like that, my focus in this internship is to really connect with the teachers and the 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 principals. Just just really pick their minds. You know. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Carlos. I mean, we kind of gave the conchitas a little a little taste of who you are, but you know, obviously they're gonna want to know more. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So like you said, I go to NYU. I reside actually here in, in New York too. I'm a native New Yorker. Early Why Africa. don't you have a New York accent? But we can we oh. can go more. You don't Do you want... have one. Really? You, you know, it's because I, I live in Yonkers, which is I've believe it or not, someone's referred to me like where I live as the burbs. Because most of the kids <laughs> most of the kids I go to school with are either like super out west or like native New Yorkers in the city, like Manhattan, Brooklyn. So they call me the burb kid, which is really, uh. really insulting because I'm like, I, I wish I had your accent. <laughs> I guess I'm just different. Even told me I'm from upstate New York. Yonkers is literally 30 minutes away from Manhattan. But I guess wow. there's like a little bit of a socioeconomic change, I guess, but not that different. I'm 19 years old. I'm a sophomore at NYU. I'm, like you said, I'm Asian Child of Dead. And I'm actually a photographer and videographer. So photography is kind of my side hustle along with podcasting. It's something that I got into because my father's been a photographer for a number of years, but I never really had a keen interest in it until he started doing sports photography. And I played sports when I was younger. And photographers are probably have the best seats in every sporting event. They're literally right there, better than any seats you can purchase. So really being close to sports in a way where I'm able to enjoy it from like a different lens, no pun intended, is what I really enjoy. And videography is just something I've done as a job for a sports media company called Overtime. I just create content for them. Um, and they just cover high school sports specifically, like the most uh, highly talented high school basketball players that eventually go on to be pros. So they just follow them from their like startup to the way up. And I have a little brother. So if anything that I really do is just to really help him put him on the right path. Yeah, that's me. I love that. That's so awesome. I'm also a photographer and videographer. So yeah, I can totally relate to that. And you're right about having the best seats. I don't do sport photography, but I do concert photography. And so you get the best seat in the, you know, (laughs) I've always wanted to do a concert. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So that's awesome. Do you ever you know, shoot maybe in film? Y'all could co- I'm sorry to interrupt. I was right, like, maybe y'all, I said, maybe y'all could collab, you know, Evelyn goes, checks out NYU. Actually, Definitely. I'm going to Boston in May and going to visit oh. New York while I'm there. So you should, we should definitely have like a little like photography session. I'm you know, so like, down. Oh. I'd be down. That'd be dope. <laughs> you ever seen those, those, um, those like uh, challenges on YouTube? It's like five minutes to get like three photos like a yes i love those, are those. So dope. i've always wanted to do those oh let's do it i'm okay, so okay. down let me know let me know <laughs> look at that self-conscious and unapologetic the finds podcast making shit happen Stephanie, what? you could come you could be our model we don't want to leave you out okay <laughs> you insist. <laughs> isn't he just like awesome i just love carlos he's Thank so you. sweet so carlitos what made you start your podcast yeah so i've been relatively pretty outspoken my entire life I think just because I've grown up with a mother who was an immigrant and you know how mothers are who are immigrants they really don't take anything because they've 
sacrificed so much that they really won't take mm-hmm. a no. They'll do anything they can. And it's mostly for others. You know, it's never for them. It's for their, their kids. So I think that's where I've become really outspoken. And I started my podcast because I've seen so many people do great things, but really not have a space to, to really share all that insight. And that's really what my podcast is about, to share the insight of people who've exhibited resilience and tenacity to reach their goals, as well as a space for me to talk. I haven't had yet uh, an episode released where I, I just really speak into the mic and let all my feelings out. Really just as a place where I could let anything that they want to be out in the world and document that, as well as like kind of like a personal journal. I've always been wanting to journal, but I think this is this will probably be my journal, my like audio journal per se. So a combination of all those things is what made me want to start the podcast. I like that. I actually had talked about this kind of with uh, with Moments with Melissa podcast, how she was also starting her podcast to kind of like have a diary for her, not just right, for yeah. herself, but for her for her kid, I think her son. Mm-hmm. And I thought oh, that wow. was like, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, and I thought that was like such a cool concept because I was like realizing like, yeah, like, well, there's various reasons why I started podcasting, but one of them was also so I could get to know myself better. Yes, that's another so thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I I totally like resonate with that. And then when I heard about your podcast, I was curious to see what you were going to put out there. And like, also, guys, I make a guest appearance on Carlos's yes. ep- podcast Check on episode out. two. Low key, the best episode I've released so far. But don't tell the other guests. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell them. I really like enjoyed listening to them and like honestly like I do like after each episode even my own even the one where I make a guest appearance I'm like wow <laughs> I really needed to hear that or I yeah. really um resonated with that or I learned something from that and and that's how I think you know you're doing you're making an, a, uh, a positive impact when somebody can take away what you're saying and want yeah. to be a better person because of it absolutely I even even after editing them I when the, when the they actually released on like Mondays, I actually listened back to them. So that's neat that you do that too. Like we know it's gonna happen. Be said, yeah. But really listening to it, you can even get something out of it, which is pretty. Neat. Yeah, I love that too because I'm a huge journaler. Like I've been journaling my whole life. Uh, it's literally like one of my favorite things ever. But I, at an early age, I transformed that from not just writing, but that's kind of why I started photography and videography. So I've been documenting my life like since I was little and there's just so many ways to do that, to document that, to show your future children, to show friends, to show your future self. Like I have gone back and watched videos that I made like video diaries that I literally made for my future self and learned from them, you know? And so it's very interesting and how media, you can do that with podcasting, journaling, photography. I just think it's super cool. Absolutely. Yeah. I know what your podcast is about, but do you want to tell the Conchitas what it's what your podcast is generally about? Yeah. So kind of like I said, it's a space where people that have exhibited uh, resilience and tenacity really share insight and provide listeners with the really the, I wouldn't say like a framework, but ways in which they can tackle obstacles. So I'll give you an example. Like one of them, my first episode I ever released was called Dissecting Masculinity. I touched upon just being sensitive as a man and how that's not a misnomer at all. That's just what being a man really is. So really touch upon sensitive topics as well as um, stories that people really haven't told. Like one of them, one of my guests even spoke about his father having COVID and it actually related back to him not really being able to feel like he could express his feelings. So just really personal stories that people don't really have the platform to to really um, express and, and put out there just so that those stories are, are there and at people's disposal just to listen and like you said, anything, any good podcast just has something that people can really get out of it. I will say this. This is this is my feedback. 
and it's not if they, nothing bad don't get don't get scared oh, okay, now okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> i think the reason i really like your podcast is because like except for me i'm the exception but all your guests have been male so far and for me it's very interesting to see the male perspective you did tell me in that. regards yeah, right. to uh-huh. such sensitive subjects and so i think and I, and I do think it's because men are told that they can't talk about those topics that you're discussing on your podcast yeah. openly. And so I really like, as a, just as a listener, I admire that. Mm-hmm. And as a woman, I respect that. And Thank as you. a person in general, I'm like, why are we like not talking about this? And like, when you find a podcast, like, like, like the one you're doing, that's so relatable and is touching on things that you know, we're as a society and just as people were neglected to talk about, it hypes your curiosity and it hypes people to, and it makes people question like, well, why can't I talk about this? Mm-hmm. And so-and-so is talking about it and maybe I, I can talk about it. So honestly, really love your podcast so far. And that yeah. was one of my favorite episodes, the one about dissecting masculinity. I was like, God damn it, Carlos. Good. I was like, <laughs> yes, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Believe um, it or not, you're not the only woman who has told me this, which is I've never thought that I would really get to the woman, the, the female audience so quickly or people would listen to it. Like I've had so many peers in classes have been telling me and they've been women. And, and it's so odd to me because I don't know, my content is pretty gender neutral. Like it doesn't apply to anyone. But most of the things like they are told by guys, which is odd for me to just it's nice that people don't neglect my podcast because of that being like, oh, it's all guys. We won't understand. But it's nice that some women are able to like get something out of the podcast which is awesome well that's what i i was saying like i think your themes like you said they're very generic not generic yeah. but they're very um gender gender neutral like it can they're they're things that can apply to anybody all the episodes have been good but that was one i really enjoyed and also like the, the most recent one well this is pod this episode's coming out way later but the one you put <laughs> in an episode for self-imposing limitations I think yeah uh, limitations are self-imposed yep yeah that one was also really good and mine was great too. Again, episode right. two, but Hers was the- <laughs> <laughs> but they they've all been really good. And I'm like, I go back to you telling me like, oh yeah, like you know, because um, you were asking me for advice and like, how do I go about this yeah. and da 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 da. And I was like, and now I'm like looking. I, I just listening to your podcast and I just have a smile on my face. Like, you do it so well. <laughs> <laughs> I took everything that you said to heart. I was like really planning this out. I was like, all right, she told me this and. I even like restructured some episodes because of what you told me just to like help out Aww. with like, engagement. So yeah. Look at you, Steph, being all inspiring. Yeah, go Steph. Well, um, what can I say? I, I, I like to help people. Uh, never mind. She's full of her stuff, Evelyn. Let's tell her to stop. No, no, no. Y'all inflating my ego over here. <laughs> I have um, some friends that I can only compliment like two times a year because then I'm like, you get a big oh head. <laughs> Stephanie, one of them? No. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, I actually get very um I feel like I get very shy. I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and then like I try to deflect and be like, uh, but like, oh, but not really though. But I I, I appreciate that you appreciate the advice I gave you. <laughs> right, yeah. And then we're gonna be taking inspiration from you. I mean, hopefully, God willing, yeah. That'd be that'd be awesome. And then we will all be taking NYU to get, well, not NYU, but we'll all be taking New York together. We'll take on New York together. We're going to take on New York. 
Yeah, one picture, yep. one picture at a time. It'll be my first time going, so I'm scared. <laughs> I'd love to show you guys around. Yeah. Actually, I am much. This is like not even related, but I am planning a trip to New York because I I was gonna hit you up, Carlos. I was gonna be like, you know what? I'm in NY. I want to see. I want to keep saying NYU, but I'm in New York. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to live my gossip girl dreams. Where are you at? <laughs> Uh, on the upper east side <laughs> xoxo gossip girl mm-hmm. <laughs> but i mean i was gonna like i do want to do it just because I, I do have a couple friends who are in new york and they've been giving me telling me i should go so definitely go now's, now's the, the time, time because it's not that it's it's really not that um congested it's really nice there aren't that many people but now that the, the weather Perfect. is heating up, like today, Washington Square Park was full because there were so really? many people. Yeah. 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 One thing about me, Carlos, is I don't mess. So, like, I'm serious. I will hit you up when I'm there. I'm off work. Let me know. <laughs> Getting back to the to the pod here, to the episode. You know, the reason we brought you onto the podcast today, Carlos, was or for this episode was because we wanted to talk to you about paving the way for higher education, especially for BIPOC. And BIPOC, again, is Black, Indigenous, people of color. You're majoring in childhood special education. So we know that you want to be an educator, but why did you pursue a career to become an educator? What inspired that decision? Yeah, unfortunately, it wasn't anything good. It was more of something that I wanted to not prove to anyone, but something that I knew was my calling because of an experience that was pretty negative. I was actually diagnosed with epilepsy when I was younger. Because of that, I had reoccurring seizures that had affected my education and I actually had to be in the hospital and take some classes there for a while and it was really bad in second grade and I had fallen a little bit back in my classes and my teacher was just really upset with how I progressed and I had I was having seizures like what could I do you know there was one time where she had brought in my parents and she was telling them I don't think you can do it rather than telling them like you know he's a little behind she legit told them he is not capable of doing all this work and passing on to the next grade Horrible. The last thing you want to hear from an educator, knowing what your go- kid's going through. And from then on on out, my education and my just grades have improved. But I never really gave my all of, and trust into a teacher until my freshman year of high school. And I think it's because I had this clean slate and I had been in the same school since preschool to, to the end of middle school. And in freshman year, a teacher mm-hmm. by the name of Miss Benson had really just given her all and really confided in me. I also think this is the fact because at in freshman year, my mom didn't put in my like health report that I had had seizures um, because she knew that I wanted to participate in gym. And that was one of the things that I, I wasn't able to participate in, really hadn't updated it. And I hadn't had seizures since I was 12. So I was good. So she had just really confided in me. And, and I was even tutoring in class, picked up tutoring. Even in that year, she would always check up on me after class. It was really more of like an educator rather than like a teacher. She really taught me life lessons that were amazing. And because of that, Right then and there, after my freshman year, I had committed to becoming a teacher. And that's all I ever wanted to do. So I already knew my major um, then and there. And so that connection, that just really raw connection of just a person to a person rather than a teacher to a, a student, that like hierarchy of relationship is just really just what inspired me. And I want to have that same impact on a student, hopefully in the future, or a number of students. And then just recently, because of the inequities and inequalities that I've seen in the education system, I know that my calling is further than that, just not being only a teacher, but working in, in um, education policy and seeing what Miguel Cardona, the current secretary of ed is doing just to change all that and trying to extinguish those inequities and inequalities. 
I, I just hope that he sets a good president because I want to follow right in his footsteps. That is awesome. I am so happy that you found an educator that you felt connected to and that helped you realize your passion, what you wanted to do. I've had several teachers in my life that I, I saw them more as teachers, you know, like that shaped me into honestly part of me of who I am. And those educators are the best because those are the people that need to be in the school system that definitely want to see a change for the next generation and to help their youth come who they're meant to become, you know? So I love that you found that and that you want to pay it forward and contribute that and help out our future generations and our youth, especially like now, because they need all the help they can get. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I I agree with Evelyn. I think, I don't know, like I have my own like horror story from an educator and it's not awful, awful, but I am like you, like my high school counselor, college counselor, she said I wouldn't get into college, like straight up told me I wouldn't get into college. I can actually, <laughs> word for word, she told me she didn't believe that I could afford to go to college because at the time I was asking for help to go to the University of Utah. I was like, how do I go about this? Because I was first gen. I didn't know how it worked, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like how the college application work, process works and all that. And she's like, well, I don't think you can afford this. And I don't even, and she's like, and I don't think it's something you might want to do actually. And I'm like, what the wow. fuck? Wow. And it wasn't that I had bad grades or that I sucked in school. Like by all means, like I had good grades and I was a good student because I I went to a private school. I went to a Catholic private school. And the only reason we could afford to go to a Catholic private school was through a scholarship. And the way we maintained that Mm -hmm. scholarship was by having the grades to hold that scholarship and to prove that you were, I guess, you know, a good investment, you know? Um, Right. Yeah. Yeah. so, So I knew I had, good grades and obviously like in the high school everybody knew we were the scholarship kids but for her to make such a I don't know if insinuous is the right word but to make such a um consider yeah just yeah like just I just didn't like the assumption she made because she's basically saying like I can't do it mm-hmm. you know like I'm a failure yeah. I mean I talked about it on your podcast but it was like going through mestizos um I think it was mestizo and activism uh going with them that they helped me with the whole college ap- um, application process and scholarships and how can I afford that and what classes I needed to sign up for so they helped me out with everything and I'm so thankful to them for that and then obviously in college like I had to figure out my own shit but I I am determined guys I'm gonna <clears throat> also Carlos you're allowed to swear on this podcast but I'm gonna <laughs> I, I have my my revenge planned out for this bitch because I graduated college <laughs> In December two 2020, degrees, two degrees, two degrees, two degrees, two degrees, two degrees. Yes. One in poli sci and one in criminology. And um, I, I have told myself because my, my little sister right now goes to that same high school. And I've just found out that bitch is still oh. there working as a college oh counselor. God. So I have, I'm going to grab my robe, my cap, put on all my little um, cores of honor. I'm going to walk into that high school. I'm going to walk into her office and I'm going to say, Hey, and I, I'm not going to say her name because, you know, legal purposes and all yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, hey, Miss, you know what? I'm just going to call her Miss Bitch. Hey, Miss Bitch. <laughs> so you, <laughs> yeah, I'm Stephanie Cortez. You said that I wouldn't get into college and I couldn't afford it and blah, 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 blah. Well, guess what? I graduated. I got two degrees. I'll show them to her. I was like, I got two degrees. I even made a copy for you. Here's your copy. <laughs> and um, 
I just wanted to let you know, this isn't it. This isn't where it stops. I'm going to law school next. Or if I don't go to law school, I'll join the FBI. Or if I don't go to the FBI, I join the social media world because I don't fucking know. I can do whatever the fuck I want to do because there is no limitations. But I'm like, I just wanted to give this to you. And I, and I just want to tell you. And I know I'm doing this. this. There's no, I should. I am. <laughs> mm, <laughs> then I'll be I like. Am. Record it. I'm like. Yes, yeah, please. I'm just gonna, I'm, I will record. I'll have my little sister record this and I'll be or like live stream. It. I'll document. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be like, suck on that, bitch. <clears throat> Mic drop. Suck on it. Put it, put it <laughs> on your wall and be like, this was the girl I told she couldn't go to college. Look where she is now. Yep. It's honestly so awful because like as a college or as a counselor, you know what I mean? It's your right, job right, to help. Yeah especially first generation because i'm first generation too and i'm lucky enough that my counselor was very helpful with me but still it that is awful like she should definitely not be in that position also stephanie were i didn't know you were in um mestizo's arts and activism you learn something new every day the more you so know. was so was i what <laughs> you would think two podcast ho- co-hosts would know <laughs> hey remember we're getting to learn about each other that's again true that's true 20s. that's true my bad my bad you're right, you're right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, Mestizo's Coffee House. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was in Mestizo's Arts and Activism, too. Oh, you so, were, because I would have seen your ass. Don't tell me no, I wasn't, dude. Yeah, I did. We did the camping trip and everything. And oh, I didn't I, do no camping trip. Yeah, they did. A, <laughs> but uh, I didn't do a camping trip. <laughs> we did the murals and the community and all this shit. And I showed, like, my freaking... Yeah, dude, I was in Mestizo. <laughs> Wait, what years were you there? Was it also uh, during high school? Yeah, it was during high school. What the fuck? Did you sit in the back and not talk? <laughs> Evelyn, you're very distinguishable. If I would have, I would have seen you. I would have remembered you. I don't know, dude. It was a lot of people from other high schools. You know, like we had Cottonwood, we had Judge, we had West, we had a bunch of people. That's so funny. We're gonna get off topic, but <laughs> wait, wait, okay. I, I mean, we are, but like, were you there like freshman and sophomore year? Because I didn't really didn't join until like junior senior year in high school. I did it sophomore and junior year, and a little bit senior year, but I kind of stopped going because I had other stuff. Yeah, maybe we just missed each other, dude. That's wild. There was this cute kid, and I think he was one of the um. Oh, I can't remember his name. He was like a professor. He's a professor from the U and he would come down. Alfonso? Like, yeah, his son was cute. <laughs> oh, I thought he was cute at the time. I don't, I haven't seen him in forever, but uh, I, he was one of the reasons I would go to those Misty Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, I'm just like, you know, just so y'all can know, get to know a little high school Stephanie. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that was her. <laughs> But yeah, Evelyn, I would have seen you. I would have seen you. I would have known. But fuck. Maybe we just weren't we just weren't meant to cross paths then. Until now. But that's so crazy. Like we were in each other's world. We just didn't. Yeah. No. Small world. Fucks. Anyways. Carlos was there too. <laughs> just yeah, you, I, I think I saw you, Stephanie. I think I was friends with your your, your little crush. No, I'm kidding. Oh shit. <laughs> no. All right, all right, let's get back. <laughs> so, Carlos, why is it hard for BIPOC to pursue higher education? Like, why do you think that is? Yeah, so personally, I think that the education system, well, not personally, it's a known fact. Um, the education system favors white 
people, either whether that be men or female. It doesn't discriminate upon sex with them, which is why they're the superior race when it comes to education. And being that that's the case, I think that it's so discouraging for us because we have experiences like me and Stephanie that had, and people that look like us just don't really aren't in that world. And, and we're like, I think I talked to Stephanie about this, that people like us are still very much, we're like the new generation of Latinos are just BIPOC individuals that are creating this new path of life. And because it's so abnormal for people now, we won't really see a change in that maybe two, three generations down the line where like maybe someone that looks like us, it's normal for them to, call it, to go to college, right? You won't look at someone and counselors might not have those experiences, hopefully not have those experiences. So mm-hmm. I think it, because there's such a small amount of select individuals that e- even pursue higher ed, it's really discouraging and it's really abnormal for someone to even go to higher ed because there isn't a crowd, there isn't even support group. And Stephanie and I even talked about this is imposter syndrome that can really overtake your mental health and people really can't handle that. Mm-hmm. Yes, period. I agree. I have definitely felt that imposter syndrome in college. I've felt it in high school, even. Yeah, that, yeah, same. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where it's like I was surrounded, you know, in my high school. I'm lucky because my high school was probably the most diverse high school in the state of Utah because it was downtown Salt Lake. And we had people of all race, all color, Name all religion. Evelyn, what high school did you go to? Name I went to it. West fucking High. I'm a proud <laughs> Panther. Anyway, but I was in all AP IB classes and all honors classes, and I was the only brown girl in all of my classes. Go Evelyn, go Evelyn. You know, like there was in all of my AP IB classes because it was all Asian or white kids. And all these kids came from like, because the thing about West is that because of the international baccalaureate program, it was Mm, extended to outside borders. So these kids were from all over Utah and like lived in these rich ass houses, like Avenue kids, gated communities, like all that. And they all went to like private schools or just, I felt like had learned way more than I had learned before I even got there, you know, because we would be talking about stuff where it's like, oh yeah, we covered this in like seventh grade. And I was like, what the fuck? Like I, we never covered this, you know? So I felt like there were times where I felt, even though I knew I was smart, I felt like, oh, am I not as smart as I thought I was, you know? So, and I, and I felt like that, like that a little bit in college too. I mean, it definitely got better, but it's a wild, it's a wild situation to be in, honestly. If I'm honest, I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon. It's just, it's just exonerated with every new setting. Like if you, from, from setting to setting, you think it rises again? That's what it's been for me. It's like, I, I yeah, think I'm pretty think good in college. it's setting by setting. Right, I yeah. think it depends on, I don't know. It's what, like, where think, you are, you know? Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, I think it depends on the, it's an, uh, the institution as well. Because like when I, in elementary school, I went to public school for from like, pre-k to not even sixth grade I, I made it to like fifth grade and I was going to start sixth grade public school but things changed and then my whole middle school and high school was at a private high school but that's where I, I hella had like imposter syndrome because I went from ha- going to a very diverse school where everybody wherever I turned I, I looked I saw people that looked like me and talked like me yeah. and then I went to a private school where nobody looked like me and nobody talked like me and then like how evelyn was saying like oh we covered this bitch we i've never had to carry homework like my homework was one sheet of paper with math like like seven math problems and that was it and then here i had to have like books like five heavy ass books and 
papers like 10 page papers five page papers and like just it was just like a lot of work I wasn't used to it and I felt dumb I felt dumb and I felt like I didn't belong there and once I could overcome that and I was like no I am smart enough and all that then in high school it was more like the position was like I, but I don't have the status like these kids have like I'm not rich like these kids they all know I'm this fucking scholarship kid and then I felt like I was isolated because of the color of my skin isolated because of my financial status it sucked because like I knew I was smarter if I knew I was just as smart or if not smarter than the kids I went to school with but I still had this feeling that I didn't belong there even until I graduated and then going to college like dealing with the fact that you're first gen and again, like in a predominantly white institution, it, it felt like all of that, like the different things that I felt through middle school and high school, like all at once in college. While like, yeah, I was enjoying my first couple of years in college. I had to like fight those thoughts that like I didn't belong here or that I didn't deserve to be here because I wasn't used to being in a, in, in a institution like that. And then when I was pursuing my majors, specifically like political science, most of my classmates would be male. So then, you know, me being a woman and being a woman of color, I felt even more so like I just didn't belong there. So yeah, I don't think imposter syndrome is going to leave anytime soon. Not for any exterior reason, but I think it's just like, it's so ingrained, I feel like into who we are as BIPOC, who we are as people of color, and that we kind of like, in a way have to force ourselves to kind of fight those thoughts and fight that feeling that we just don't that we're not worthy or that we don't belong i was gonna say just how being like the only like person of that certain sex in a major i can definitely relate to that in education it's literally almost all all women and even in the class of 2023 i'm the only latino male and it could be so lonely like at times and just these conceptions that they have of guys of not being nurturing and caring and like, I don't want to prove out to anyone that I'm like that, but it's also like they, they have these notions of me and they see me as this like stone cold person. And even in certain times where I do participate in class, it's like, why are you even here? Like guys don't go into education. So I could definitely relate to that. Not even Latinos guys into education, let alone just guys in general. Yeah, that is true. Cause I never had, I never once had a male teacher. I knew of a couple male teachers, like in the schools I went to, but I personally, all 12 years of my education in high school and middle school, and I never had a male teacher. It wasn't until college that I had male professors, you know? So I can What is that buzzing sound? What was that buzzing sound? Did you guys hear that? I did, yeah. I didn't hear it. <laughs> you never hear what I hear. I know, that's so weird. But what I was going to say too is like, I don't think imposter syndrome will ever go away really. Um, But I do think that there are ways that like you were saying, Carlos, it could be like situational. Um, Sometimes you may feel it. It may be a little bit more present than others, you know, or than other times in high school, even though I was, I did feel like that at times I was lucky and fortunate enough to be able to kind of get over those feelings because Again, I didn't feel outcasted because my cult, my school was filled with people of color. They just weren't in my like IB classes, you know what I mean? And then I became a lot of friends with like the people that were in my IB classes and stuff. And they were very supporting and they helped me feel uh, like I belonged, like I was smart enough to belong there. And I really liked that, but it definitely came back in college for sure. 
I still feel it honestly sometimes because I am a first generation college student and it sucks because like I haven't graduated yet because I've hit a lot of bumps in the roads where I'm just like I just don't know what I'm doing you know what I mean it's like I don't know how to handle this or that and it's like it's still a learning experience for me and so one day (laughs) going back to that question like why is it hard for BIPOC to pursue higher education I mean I think it is like imposter syndrome we're just not used in regard I mean that is part of it but I think we're just not used to seeing people who look like us and talk like us in these institutions and then you know when we have an experience like the ones that you and I experienced Carlos like it kind of like further isolates you from that from the concept or the idea of pursuing higher education because you're like well if this is how one of them deals with me how is it going to be in a in a bigger uh in a bigger institution like that so the more in depth we get into it i think it's just also like you know higher education is a racially systemic institution and like you said carlos like it it's more intended for like white people to succeed in i think my answer is that I think BIPOC are capable of pursuing higher education. Sure. I just think that we've been given very shitty cards in order to achieve higher education because we're in high school and like, you know, in our education systems, we're, we're, we already have a shitty education system as it is. We're, you know, not enough money is invested into our education. And then on top of that, we have shitty counselors who are telling you you're not going to make it like it's not for you because they don't see somebody that looks and talks like you in that institution. And so when you get there, you kind of psych yourself out and then you're like, oh, this isn't for me. I'm not meant for this. And then, you know, unfortunately a lot of, some people drop out and then because they get so in their head about it and they're like, I'm not capable of doing this. I can't, like, this isn't for me. And so it further starts and it further dwindles those numbers down. Um, but yeah, and I, and my thing is like I won't I won't judge anybody for dropping out of college or somebody who didn't want to pursue college because it's not for everybody mm-hmm. but it's more like it's more like this anger towards the fact that like as BIPOC as people of color like we've just been given a harder road to get there and for some people it's just too hard sometimes and it's completely understandable but it's just not fair think about even the the um, people that are peers who aren't people of color have to look up to, right? There have been presidents, world leaders. Most of the times when we ha- look up people who look like us who are in great positions, most of the times things about them aren't written or they're not, to- they're not told their stories. Like we never hear about these great people of color that how was their experiences in college? Like we're literally out on our own to experience these things and only like a select few of us can like really relate to them. Yeah, because you said like 11% of Latinos 11% of have, Latino adults have a bachelor's degree. That's it's horrible. a small number. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do think that um, like people like you, Carlos, who are wanting to make a change, you know, in the like in the industry, in the environment, like I think people like you are so important and we just need more people who are wanting to make a change. And I know it's hard to, uh, it's hard to deal with all of this. And, you know, if anyone's listening, that's maybe has had this imposter syndrome or has had doubts and question themselves if they're capable or smart enough, you know, to like go to college, like you should just do it because you do like you, there are communities out there that 
for sure. There needs to be a lot more, but I feel like there are communities out there that have started to kind of bring awareness to this, you know, and different scholarship too from like minorities. Like I know, Stephanie, I don't know if you watch basketball, but like the Utah Jazz just barely announced today because like they won 30 games. And so they're giving out 30 scholarships to underrepresented youth, which I think is awesome for college. And it's like those things, things like that, there needs to be more things like that to help with this change, you know, and it's going to take time and it's not going to happen overnight, but it's things like this about bringing awareness to it. That'll help make a change. That's like a perfect segue into our final question. Like, why is it necessary for us to encourage BIPOC to pursue higher education? Yeah, so I I think it really just ties in with everything we've been talking about. I think there has to be individuals that look like us that are presented to individuals. And in that, you only get that if these people aren't discouraged, aren't consumed by all these um, notions told about them, these perceptions that people have about them. It's really essential that people like us or even younger people like us are given these individuals, these role models to pursue higher education because they know like what the end game, what the end goal can be for them. Because right now, like I said, we're this generation that's just drifting afloat and really not knowing what we're doing because we are those role models. And I, I love this quote. It comes from like the um, civil rights movement. And it says like the revolution will be silent. And it relates back to just change will be silent. Kind of like what Evelyn was saying. And it's going to come really slow. But that change is going to be coming. Um, and when it does happen, we're going to be seeing that in just great masses. Therefore, it's just important for these people to know what they stand for and know that it's much bigger than them, right? We, we all know here that our college education is much bigger than us just getting degrees. It's people that in, in our communities look up to us knowing that it's possible for them to do it. And it's not this far off goal. You know, if Evelyn, if Carlos, if Stephanie did it, why not me? And that's just really why people who are in this BIPOC community must pursue higher education to stand as those role models in those communities that are left without ones. Yeah, I agree. I, I think for me, it's kind of like I did college because I wanted to do college, but I also wanted to prove every, like those who doubted me, I wanted to prove them wrong. And like, what the fuck you mean? I don't belong here. Yes, I do. And I'm going to yeah. prove it to you and I'm going to show it to you. I think it's about time we, we as BIPOC, accept the fact that we are entitled to higher education and we yeah. are entitled yeah. to these things that we're to- being told that we weren't for the longest time. Like we are entitled to to everything because even though we have our ethnic roots, we're still American and we have the privilege of going to, to college here or having a good education here. And like Evelyn's saying, like, you know, finances, all that, like if that's what's holding you back, there are other ways to get there. Right. And there are resources to help you. And you can always like, you know, you can contact Carlos at the Unapologetic Podcast. You can contact us at the Subconscious Podcast. And we are happy to help you look into it or get you in touch with somebody who can help you out with that. But there are forms to get there. You, There are no limitations is what I'm trying to say. Like the only limitations, limitations have been set by these um, racially systemic institutions. But you have the power to break down those limitations like Evelyn was also saying like the imposter syndrome and that it might not, it's not going to go away anytime, anytime soon. I also think that we need to acknowledge when somebody, when a person of color enters a, an environment like college and they are feeling um, like imposter syndrome, it, it can fuck with your mental health. Like I also suggest like seeking mental health if you need it to help you cope with that and to help you 
come to the realization again that you are entitled to be in that built institution and you are entitled to that education. And again, I feel like we can tie in like self-love and all that into it. You know, we do live in a racist country. It's how it's been brought up. It's how it's been, you know, made up. I feel like, especially if you're a child of immigrant parents, make like, don't, I mean, like, it's, it's not fair to say do it for your parents, but don't let their sacrifice go to waste. Yeah, you are doing it for them, but you're also doing it for you. And you're doing it for other people. So when they see, like Carlos said, like, they'll be like, if they could do it, then I can do it. Because it starts setting a change that, okay, I can do this. I, I, I can achieve this. I am entitled to this. And that's really what I'm trying to get at. Like, at the end of the day, like, you have every right to be in that classroom and you have every right to be in the, um, to be receiving that education and you have every right to receive that diploma if you want it. Something I want to add to that is remember that everyone has their own journey. There is no timeline. Um, I had to like really learn that because my mom, you know, she immigrated here from Guatemala with my grandparents and she went to California. And when she graduated high school, she was, she was student body president and she actually got a full ride scholarship to a university of her choice, like signed by Bill Clinton and everything. And uh, she couldn't accept it because she was an illegal immigrant. And so she never went to college. So I was always, you know, hearing that story, I was always like, I got to go to college, you know, like, I got to be the first one to go to college because my mom came here and she sacrificed for me and a bunch of shit like that. And, and I did go to college and I am a first generation college student. I haven't graduated yet, which definitely took a toll on my mental health. But, and I would compare myself like to other people my age and being like, you know, I should have my degree by now, this or that. But like shit happens, life happens, stuff happens that you got to take care of yourself. So don't feel like there needs to be this timeline on your journey as well. Don't let that hold you back. If you want to go to college, but you're like, oh, I, I don't think I can finish in two years, four years, don't let that hold you back from pursuing higher education because even just taking that step of, going is awesome and again like stephanie said it's not for everybody but if you want to try it try it and just remember there's you don't need to compare yourself to anybody else like you have your own journey yeah well and my addition to that is that even if you are in college you are allowed to take a break and something's going on in your life you can take a what is it like a a gap year gap year yeah mm-hmm. you can take a gap year like just take the time because your mental health always comes first and whatever's going on with you just you always come first any last thoughts any everybody maybe I, I would just say that with us being people of color and always wanting to be maybe be up to par to our companions don't overwork yourself because that's something i'm going through right now and i'm not really taking care of myself don't overwork yourself because like evelyn said your journey is unique to yourself Therefore, don't overwork yourself thinking if I do this, I'll be at their level. Know that there you have to give yourself time. And that's honestly something I'm still working on. And just know that having time for yourself just to relax is completely healthy and completely justifiable. Mm -hmm. Comparison is a thief of happiness. So, Amen to that. Yep. That was a class for today. <laughs> Thank that you. Te- that was our TED Talk. <laughs> Thank you for coming to our TED Talk. <laughs> Brought to you by Self-Conscious Podcast and the Unapologetic Defines Podcast. <laughs> Latinos in action. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Latinos in action, Latinos gain. <laughs> Shout out to Mestizo's arts and activism. 
<laughs> yes, that's Stephanie and I both went to. <laughs> well, that wraps up the episode. Thank you so much to Carlos Bernal, the podcast host of the Unapologetic Defines podcast. I'm going to give him a chance to shout out his social media accounts if you want to follow him and subscribe to the Unapologetic Defines podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to the Unapologetic Defiance podcast available on all your favorite podcasting apps. And thank you, Stephanie. So you guys can find me on Instagram at, at the Unapologetic Defiance podcast. And if you ever want to connect on a personal level, you can find me at Overtime Carlos on Instagram. Thank you so much, Carlos, for being here. Truly appreciate having you. Thank you, Stephanie. It was an honor. And don't forget to follow us on our social media pages to be up to date on what we have going on in the Self-Conscious Podcast, such as who our guests will be on upcoming episodes, podcast collabs, small businesses, highlights, announcements, and so much more. Our Instagram page is Self-Conscious Podcast, and our Twitter account is at Conscious Podcast. Thank you to everybody who tuned in. Like always, I hope you resonated with this episode. Learn something from it. If you liked the episode, go ahead and subscribe to the Self-Conscious Podcast. We are available on all your favorite podcasting apps. Don't forget to leave a review. It helps to spread the word. And might as well share the episode with a friend or family member. The more listeners, the better. We post new episodes every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. Eso es todo por hoy. Evelyn and I will see you all next week for a new episode. Until then, have a good one, Conchitas. Remember, don't be so self-conscious.